Please turn to Daniel chapter 11. We're going to read through chapters 11 and 12. Daniel, you'll recall, was given visions by the Lord showing him not only what was going on, but what was to come. And so he's getting an explanation from the angel that has appeared to him in chapter 10. And uh, that angel says, I was delayed in getting to you because of uh, having to fight against the prince of Persia. And then God sent another angel to strengthen him, Michael. And uh, that made it possible for this angel to make it on, give Daniel the interpretation. So beginning in chapter 11, verse Two, this is the explanation that Daniel is given. Now then, I tell you the truth. Three more kings will appear in Persia, and then a fourth, who will be far richer than all the others. When he has gained power by his wealth, he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. Then a mighty king will appear who will rule with great power and do as he pleases. And after he has appeared, his empire will be broken up and parceled out toward the four winds of heaven. It will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised, because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. The king of the south will become strong. One of his commanders will become even stronger than he and will rule his own kingdom with great power. After some years, they will become allies. The daughter of the king of the south, will go to the king of the north to make an alliance, but she will not retain her power, and he and his power will not last. In those days, she will be handed over, together with her royal escort and her father and the one who supported her. One from her family line will arise to take her place. He will attack the forces of the king of the north and enter his fortress. He will fight against them and be victorious. He will also seize their, go- their gods their metal images, and their valuable articles of silver and gold and carry them off to Egypt. For some years, he will leave the king of the north alone. Then the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will retreat to his own country. His sons will prepare for war and assemble a great army, which will sweep on like an irresistible flood and carry the battle as far as his fortress. Then the king of the south will march out in a rage and fight against the king of the north, who will raise a large army, but it will be defeated. When the army is carried off, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will slaughter many thousands. Yet he will not remain triumphant, for the king of the north will muster another army, larger than the first, and after several years he will advance with a huge army fully equipped. In those times, many will rise against the king of the south. The violent men among your own people will rebel in fulfillment of the vision, but without success. Then the king of the north will come and build up siege ramps and will capture a fortified city. 
The forces of the South will be powerless to resist. Even their best troops will not have the strength to stand. The invader will do as he pleases. No one will be able to stand against him. He will establish himself in the beautiful land and will have the power to destroy it. He will determine to come with the might of his entire kingdom and will make an alliance with the king of the south and he will give him a daughter in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom. But his plans will not succeed or help him. Then he will turn his attention to the coastlands and will take many of them. But a commander will put an end to his insolence and will turn his insolence back upon him. After this, he will turn back toward the fortress of his own country, but will stumble and fall to be seen no more. His successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor. In a few years, however, he will be destroyed, yet not in anger or in battle. He will be succeeded by a contemptible person who has not been given the honor of royalty. He will invade the kingdom when its people feel secure, and he will seize it through intrigue. Then an overwhelming army will be swept away before him. Both it and a prince of the covenant will be destroyed. After coming to an agreement with him, he will act deceitfully, and with only a few people he will rise to power. When the richest provinces feel secure, he will invade them and will achieve what neither his fathers nor his forefathers did. He will distribute plunder, loot, and wealth among his followers. He will plot the overthrow of fortresses, but only for a time. With a large army, he will stir up his strength and courage against the king of the south. The king of the south will wage war with a large, very powerful army, but he will not be able to stand because of the plots devised against him. Those who eat from the king's provisions will try to destroy him. His army will be swept away, and many will fall in battle. The two kings, with their hearts bent on evil, will sit at the same table and lie to each other, but to no avail, because an end will still come at the appointed time. The king of the north will return to his own country with great wealth, but his heart will be set against the holy covenant. He will take action against it and then return to his own country. At the appointed time, he will invade the south again, but this time the outcome will be different from what it was before. Ships of the western coastlands will oppose him, and he will lose heart. Then he will turn back and vent his fury against the Holy Covenant. He will return and show favor to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. With flattery, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will firmly resist him. Those who are wise will instruct many, though for a time they will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. When they fall, they will receive a little help and many who are not sincere will join them. Some of the wise will stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made spotless until the time of the end, for it will still come at the appointed time. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be, a, he will be successful 
until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above them all. Instead of them, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god unknown to his fathers. He will honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He will attack the mightiest fortresses with the help of a foreign god and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. He will make them rulers over many people and will distribute the land at a price. The time of the end, the king of the south will engage him in battle, and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. He will invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. He will also invade the beautiful land. Many countries will fall, but Edom, Moab, and the leaders of Ammon will be delivered from his hand. He will extend his powers, his power over many countries. Egypt will not escape. And he will gain control of the treasures of gold and silver and all the riches of Egypt with the Libyans, the Nubians in submission. But reports from the east and the north will alarm him and he will set out in a great rage to destroy and annihilate many. He will pitch his royal tents between the seas at the beautiful holy mountain. Yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. And I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying, it will be for a time, times and half a time. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will be the out? What will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for 
and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. This is the word of God. Father, we thank you so much that your word is true, and we pray that as we discuss it this morning, you would guide our thoughts, guide my words, and grant that I would say what you desire for us to see in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's a long passage. Folks who have to edit my messages for radio have a tough time when I read a really long section of Scripture. But you can't break that up. I mean, that passage, we already broke into two by taking out the previous chapter and looking at it separately last time. These two chapters are all one. Remember, the chapter divisions and the verse divisions were added much, much later. Originally, it was all just the book of Daniel. Now, what are we to make of this? Well, I've told you in the passages we've looked at leading up to it that there are various interpretations about particularly those portions that have to deal with the end of history, the second coming of the Lord, the Antichrist, etc. But there's a whole lot of stuff in here. In fact, the majority of what is in here is not about the future for us. It's about the future for Daniel and the Jews who were alive in his time. Remember, they had been captives in Babylon because of their sin. God had judged them by sending them into exile, but God had promised that after 70 years, he would bring them back into the promised land and reestablish them. The problem is, he wasn't going to reestablish them as top dog. Okay, It would no longer be like the days of Solomon when all the kings of the earth were coming, the queen of Sheba says, wow, I heard fabulous things about you, but the half wasn't even told. Instead, Israel would be under the heel of one ruler after another, after another, we're talking foreign rulers, one after another, after another. Even after God let them go back to the land, It wasn't the way they wanted it to be, and so there was a lot of confusion in the generations that would follow, like, when when is God going to set us back up? If you want to see a very clear picture of how much that was in their hearts, you'll recall that they anticipated when Messiah came, he was going to overthrow Rome, because that was the power at that time that was governing them. And Jesus when people began to believe, hey, hey, this is, this is it. The Messiah has come. I believe it. He's the Messiah. And he rides into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, the foal of a donkey, and the people are 
so excited. And by the end of the week, he's dead. And the disciples are just totally blown away. Can't understand. How could that be? How could that happen? We really believed he was the one. Remember the two guys on the road to Emmaus? When Jesus meets up with them and they don't recognize him and he says, what are you talking about? And they said, are you the only one who doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem? He says, oh, tell me. <laughs> I love Jesus. Tell me, what, what, what happened? Well, you know, there was this man, Jesus, and, and we, we really thought that he was the Messiah, but he was killed. They were expecting a different outcome. Well, then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures and then revealed that that's who they were talking with. And then he disappeared. Well, they had traveled to Emmaus and now they're booking it back to Jerusalem because they've got to tell the other disciples, hey, hey, he's alive. He just met with us. And I mean, he's alive. And the disciples are like, we saw him too. You're right. He is alive. So over a period of 40 days, Jesus meets with them. And when he's about to ascend back to the Father, what was their question? Lord, Acts chapter 1, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It's like, Okay, I mean, I, you know, we didn't understand before that you had to die on the cross to pay for our sins. You kept telling us that, but we, we didn't get it. But now we got it, okay? You've explained that to us. You've taught us from the scriptures. We understand how all this had to be. So, so now, you've, now that you've done that, are you going to give us what we wanted? We're, we're still waiting for Israel to be back on top. We, we are uh, counting on you, Lord, to bring our dreams to pass. I mean, you know, thanks so much for the cross. I want you to know, we do appreciate that, but, um, but, but now, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? The Jews had been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. All those 70 years down in Babylon, those who knew the scriptures, those who believed what God had said through the prophet Jeremiah, they knew 70 years and then we get to go back home. But when they went back home, Read Ezra and Nehemiah. Not a real pretty picture. Really discouraging. <sighs> so God, through Daniel, revealed to the people, this is all part of the plan. First, this is going to happen. And then 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 this is going to... How, how long? Centuries. you got to be kidding me. we we got to wait. You mean I'm not going to live to see it? I remind you from time to time that that most popular of American Bible verses, it's not an American verse, but it's most popular in America right now, is, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful thing? 
That was spoken to God's people about something that would happen in 70 years. That's not the way we think of that verse. We think in terms of, I'm going to get into the school I wanted to get into. I'm going to get to marry the person I want to marry. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, going to, I'm going to get all these things that I've planned for me. You know, we really kind of edit the verse to be, I know the plans that I have for me to give me a future and a hope. And I'm counting on God to make it happen. Right? We're certainly not thinking God has a plan for me and my descendants and I'll get to see the first part of it if I live another 70 years. That's not, that's not our perspective generally. So, this prophecy of what's going to happen is so accurate and detailed that people who don't know God, when they study this and compare it to history, say, well, that had to be written after the fact. Because, I mean, it, it, the things that are described here, I mean, it, it actually, this is what happened. But, um, I mean, how could Daniel know that ahead of time? Well, the book of Daniel tells us how he knew. God showed him. Well, I, I just, I don't believe that. Well, yeah, because you don't believe in God. I mean, why in the world would it be difficult for the creator of the universe, the author of history, who spoke the universe into being, why would it be hard for him to know the future and to communicate it in as much detail as he chooses. We've alluded earlier in the study of Daniel to the fact that God did this with Noah. He said, build a boat. Build it like this. Because there's going to be a huge flood. What's a flood? <laughs> I mean, there's never, never been anything like that before. God's like, you'll see. You just build the boat. These are the dimensions. These are the materials you're to use. Build the boat. Because God knew what was coming. And that was going to be more than 70 years. But God knew. God said to Abraham, generations are going to go by, and then I'm going to have these people destroyed, because at that point, their evil will have reached its peak. Some of us look around at what's happening in our world and we feel like, you know, we're, we're on the eve of destruction. Some of us are old enough to remember a song by Barry McGuire back in the 60s, the 1960s. Yes, I was alive in the previous century. Barry McGuire sang, and you tell me over and over and over and over again, my friend, that you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. 
He sounded like he was. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, it was really bad then. The government was corrupt. Politicians were lying. The economy was in trouble. Witchcraft was widespread. Tons of people strung out on drugs at every level of the economic ladder. I mean, it was rampant. Yes, people OD'd in the 1960s. Wow. Sexual immorality, all kinds of liberals in the church. Time magazine carried a headline God is dead. Time now is pretty much dead, if you haven't noticed. But, I mean, in the 1960s, it was like, well, I don't see how it could possibly get any worse. And then in 1973, we legalized abortion. And we normalized homosexuality. I've been around long enough to say it's worse. It's worse. Barry McGuire would say, what in the world? More like, what in the world? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. The Jews were looking at their situation and they're saying, how could it get worse? And God's saying, oh, trust me. Trust me. And it gets worse. And it gets worse. And it gets worse. If you read Romans chapter 1, you find that when God displays his wrath, he uses Burger King's slogan Have it your way. Have it your way. He gave them over to all these wretched abominations. Why? Because that's what they wanted to do. And God said, have it your way. You may be still chafing against the idea of surrendering your life to Jesus as Lord. I plead with you, don't be insane. He knows what is best and he loves you more than you love you. Don't be afraid to trust him and just cast everything on him and say, Lord, you're in charge. I want your will. I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Please, God, have your way in my life. You say, well, that's scary. I had to have surgery at the end of 2016. They needed to cut my chest open and pull the rib cage apart, stop my heart from beating, stop my lungs from breathing, and uh, run my blood through a machine to oxygenate it And uh, while they worked on my heart. Now, my brother, who was chief of surgery at Emory, uh, said to my other brother, a pastor, this surgery is as serious as it gets, okay? 
I hardly knew the heart surgeon. I mean, I'd met him. He had a great reputation. In fact, he was recognized that year as being the best in the world at this particular procedure. I'm very thankful. But what if I had said instead, you know, I just, I just can't trust this to somebody I don't know very well. I mean, I know he has a great reputation. A lot of people say he's wonderful. He's got a lot of experience, but I think I better do this myself. Okay? Would that, would that have made any sense at all? Would, would it made, have made any sense for somebody if I said, I'm, I'm just going to cut myself open. It's going to be a little tough getting through the sternum. I've read it up on it. But, um, I, but I'm, I'm going to do this myself. Would anybody anywhere have said, oh, well, I can understand. You know, that, yeah, that, I can see why you'd be afraid to. No, it would be insane for me to say, well, I, you know, I think I care more about my life than, than that doctor does. And I, I'm going to do this myself. That's what it's like when you try and run your own life. Don't be crazy. It's insane to say, no, God, I know you've lived longer than I have, but I'm pretty smart, and I know what I want. No, you don't. You think you do. A friend of mine saw a grandkid saying to the grandmother, well, why did you let me do that? And the grandmother said, you said you wanted to. And the child said, yes, but you're the adult. <laughs> How many times do we think, I know what I want. I know, just, just let me do what I want. Come on. It's insanity. Turn your life over to the Lord. Call upon him. Ask him to forgive your sins and take charge of your life. And he will. Daniel was given a panoramic, detailed view of hundreds of years of history. And the people who studied and believed God's word were able to take comfort in the fact that this is exactly what God said. Okay, all right, and it looks like there's more to come. Okay, but we're reminded that God is in control. And so, not to be afraid. It's not going the way we would choose. It's not going the way we would script it. But it is going exactly the way God said. And I can't believe he even got that. I didn't see that coming. But that's exactly what it says. It's exactly what it says. That's the purpose. Okay, so this was really pretty much uh, about what was going to happen with the Jews and, and uh, uh, can, I, can I get that outlined somewhere? You can get it outlined lots of places. I'll tell you, the, I've got, as you might guess, a bunch of commentaries and study Bibles. I'm using the NIV, but for notes on Daniel concerning how this played out in history, I would recommend the ESV study Bible. Is the other one not a real Bible? Oh, it's a real Bible. It's got great notes. You can get wonderful ideas about it. I think these folks make it clearer, and their chart of the various rulers is easier for me to follow. Okay? 
Are you going to read that to us? I thought about it. I did. And I thought, well, no, that's, that's not preaching. That's just giving you an amazing detailed history lesson. But you can get that on your own. Okay? What I want you to understand is the application. And the application is God is totally in control. He has already determined the future. He is not making this up as he goes along. And it's all going to work out exactly the way he said. Look in chapter 11 at verse 27. Daniel eleven twenty-seven. 27. The two kings with their hearts bent on evil will sit at the same table and lie to each other, but to no avail, because an end will still come, here's the phrase, at the appointed time. At the time they set? No, at the time God sets. It's going to happen at the appointed time. Look at verse 29. At the appointed time, he will invade the south again. Look at verse 35. Some of the wise will stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made spotless until the time of the end, for it will still come at the appointed time. So all this stuff is really planned out? Absolutely. So when it comes to history, God's got a plan. When it comes to you, God has a plan. He has a plan for you. The psalmist says that God has numbered our days. I love the faith of Stonewall Jackson. People couldn't understand why he was so calm in battle. He said, I'm as safe in battle as I am at home in my own bed. Well, that just seems crazy. No, it's not if you understand that God has determined what's going to happen. I've got a precious friend who has done some of the craziest things when he was younger. And, and a lot of people are like, why, why, why is he so completely fearless? And I believe a lot of it has to do with the fact that when Robert Barker, M.D., was a little kid, his parents were talking inside the apartment, and he went out on the balcony and climbed up on the railing. He was a toddler. They were not supervising him properly. He climbed up onto the railing, and Nancy Barker caught movement out of the corner of her eye, and she turned and looked as he went, waving at them and falling backwards off the railing of the second-story apartment. Concrete driveway down below. Well, of course, they just felt sick and panicked and ran out of the apartment and down and around to pick up what was left of their boy. Robert was coming toward them like this, saying, Mommy, Mommy, an angel cotched me. An angel cotched me. Is that cool or what? 
Well, I mean, I, I really took that to heart, and as a result, we didn't even watch our kids when they were growing up. <laughs> no, no, we still ought to behave responsibly, especially looking out for those others that God has entrusted to our care. But we should definitely live a life without anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything give thanks. Well, sometimes I still feel anxious. Okay, it's okay to feel anxious, just don't be anxious. Well, but I sometimes really feel fear. It's okay to feel fear. No shame on you, but don't be fearful. Well, what's the difference? The difference is, is your behavior going to be based on what God says or what you feel? If your behavior is based on what God says, that's called courage. That's called faith. That's called obedience. Don't be afraid. Be a follower of Jesus. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Okay, pastor, I'm sorry. I just I need you to touch on one more thing. And that is you've indicated before you believe some of this isn't just about leading up to the time of Jesus, but it actually has to do with the end of history. Absolutely. Okay? In in chapter 12 particularly, and there are other places in Daniel also that refer to that. But in chapter 12 you've got some things that then are not just leading up to the time of Christ, but you've got some things that are at the very end. And if you look at what is in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, John's letter to the churches, book of Revelation, among other places, you find that there will be a man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, And that horrible villain is going to be given the opportunity by God to do horrible things all over the world and cause enormous suffering. And when it happens, you and I should not be saying, I thought we were going to be out of here. I hope we are. I'm 68 years old. I have a better chance than you of not being around for it. But I'll tell you this. Whether it works out to be a pre-trib rapture, or a mid-trib rapture, or a post-trib rapture, it's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Pastor Wood, I can't believe you would even allow for the possibility that it might be a mid- or post-trib rapture. I'm happy to talk with you. I'll just tell you this, I'm voting for pre-trib, okay? but I'm still waiting for that phone call from God asking how he ought to handle it. <laughs> God's got it all figured out. It's going to go exactly the way he has planned, and when it happens, we'll say, that's what he said. That's what he said. That's exactly what he said. God says what he means, and he means what he says, and it's going to happen just as he said. And yes, Daniel does point forward. God, speaking through Daniel, points forward to the end with the tribulation 
with the time of wrath and with the resurrection of the dead. Uh, is, there, is there something in Revelation indicating there's going to be like two resurrections? First, uh, yes. D- does, that, does that give you hope that maybe it will be like a pre-trib rapture? Yes. Really? Gives me hope. We'll see what happens. But God is not deciding. He's already decided. And when it happens, it'll be just as he said. Trust him. Obey him. You will be grateful. Refuse, and you will be destroyed. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your amazing grace. Thank you for the truth and the power of your word. Help us to totally trust in you. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.